0: This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast.
1: Good evening and welcome to another weekend outing with me, Emma Goswell. Yep, this is the show for people who are currently saying, what is all this fuss about the football? Tonight, you're going to find out what it's like coming out as trans at the age of 13 when you live in the Welsh Valleys. You'll also meet a man who moved from Poland to the UK to escape homophobic bullying and then found the love of his life. Plus, you'll find out about a new campaign called Hair Has No Gender. It's all about making barbershops and hair salons a lot more inclusive and welcoming to the LGBT plus community. You ready?
2: The Weekend
1: Outing with Emma Goswell. Virgin Radio Pride. It's time to go to the hairdressers, sort of. Uh, Yes, uh, we're now going to meet Kerry from the Hair Has No Gender campaign. Welcome to Virgin Radio Pride, Kerry. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hiya, uh, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's, this is an exciting thing to be talking
1: about because it's something that's kind of got my goat over a number of years, really, the whole issue of going to the barbers and paying too much money. Um, but tell us a little bit about you and, and where the idea for the campaign came from.
3: Okay, so yeah, I'm Kerry. Um, I'm a queer non binary barber. I'm based in West London and through lockdown one, we couldn't cut hair, so I was going absolutely crazy. Couldn't cut yeah. any more grass or anything. I, I was kind of in a weird situation at work. I asked them to, to use the pronouns that I go by, which are they, them, and they were very much like, I don't really know about that, I can't really deal with it. So, no. That kind of got me thinking, I need a new job. When I first went to a barbershop, I got refused a haircut for identifying them as female. So, I was like, I wonder how many people have this issue sent out a few messages on the Instagram and social, created an actual survey, mm. and, yeah, it just it gave me the, the initiative to kind of start an educational platform called Hair Is No Gender and just eradicate that, that stigma that's you have to be a man to go to a barbershop, you have to be a female to go to a hairdresser's, and, you know, it shouldn't matter what what's in my pants as to how you cut my hair. But um, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it, that our world
1: is so binary you know and there's the yeah. whole discussion about toilets you go to the toilets and you have to choose between male and female and you know a lot of people don't want to well like yourself you don't want to do that it's it's a diff- difficult decision and like for hairdressers why did why should hair be male or female it's just something that we've inherited over the years isn't it
3: yeah entirely I mean I'm I mean I'm 38 so I've definitely been brought up in that binary world and mm. coming out as non-binary was only in the last year two years that, that I have found the comfort in in that and really started to understand who I am and it, there has to be a point where these traditions kind of fade off and we just take people as human first because I've got many you know straight cis identifying female friends male friends and, and, and you know whoever you are as long as you've got a haircut that's maybe short and you want to go to a barbershop it shouldn't really matter and yeah I think people especially amongst the LGBTQI a plus got there mm. uh, community like myself I think I think you know a lot of us struggle and you know every day is a struggle even like you say the toilets. so if we can just get our hair cut that's well, just, a haircut. yeah just, that's just a- cut my hair it's just as simple as that and as a barber I don't judge anyone that comes through if I don't have the skill set that's different however haircutting is yeah it's just hair is hair and that's why I've created this this platform for everyone
1: yeah, I want to find out a bit about the campaign in a bit. But first of all, just um, go through what it was like for you coming out as non-binary. And I'm surprised to hear that your workplace were non-supportive. You know, I would have thought hairdressers in London would be a fairly tolerant and forward-thinking place. but no. Yeah,
3: you, I mean, yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, the first place I was refused a haircut as a female, because it was quite a long time ago, and that's how I identified as a lesbian female, I'm, was actually in Brighton when I lived there for a good 10 years which a lot of people are shocked by. And then, then in London, yeah, in West London, it was a a traditional barbershop. I was working at quite an old school Italian one. And it wasn't the fact that they just, that they didn't use them. It's the fact they just refused to even educate themselves on it. Mm -hmm. And that really, that really baffled me. And, you know, like I say, I spent the last 20 odd years trying to figure out my own identity. So just to have that support in the workplace would have been imperative and to not have it was really difficult. And I've got a lot of non-binary and trans friends and stuff and we're under that umbrella and you know they don't feel comfortable we don't feel comfortable going in somewhere that you're constantly kind of getting the sniggers and the looks it's just really embarrassing really so yeah yeah I mean coming out as non-binary has been a bit of a journey and like I say every day you kind of have that which toilet scenario and this and that and I think if we can just change one piece of the world at a time then hopefully there'll be less stigma around gender and you exactly know. yeah
1: and how did um, your friends and family
3: react to you coming out as non-binary you know what my friends have been really great they've been very supportive I think you know they, they mispronounce me probably daily I've actually mispronounced myself a lot as well I think it, it's a learning curve like I said I'm hmm. older I've not been brought up to say they them or but they've been supportive uh, my, my parents are a bit older They they kind of don't get it but you know they still respect it and instead of their daughter I'm their child and their sibling but I'm still ultimately if someone struggles with it I just say call me Kerry
4: Mm -hmm. like
3: just say Kerry it's as simple as that and it doesn't change anything about who I am it just makes me feel more comfortable in myself Mm -hmm. and doesn't make me feel awkward well
1: what was what was it that made it sort of click in your mind when you thought actually this is how I'm going to identify because it's obviously a bit of a process for you isn't it
3: yeah yeah it was a process I think um like a lot of a lot of people I mean coming out when I did it, I, I came out pretty late as, as, well, I came out as bisexual first. That was a bit of a journey. Then I came out as a lesbian and I never really associated myself with the word lesbian. It didn't ever sit right with me. Mm. Um, and then everything from growing up was always just kind of, I liked the pink and I like the blue. I, I couldn't really, I feel like it was kind of like, you've got, you know, you've got like male on one spectrum, female on the other, and then you've got loads of dots. I feel like sometimes I just kind of snake in and out of them dots and it depends on my mood or or my vibe and I think for me it was just kind of this click this makes sense to be like they them because I like to wear makeup but I would also never wear a dress and I have really mm. short skin fade hair it, it just it's just the outset human beings were just programmed to be like was well, it a boy was it a girl Were they this tall are they this short you know and mm. it's like we need to picture everything when maybe sometimes we just take the human for who they are and since being coming out as non-binary like honestly my journey I feel like it's just begun and I can finally feel just when someone says they, I just feel sense of happiness and relief it's really weird I can't really explain Mm. it too much but yeah it's it's nice it's a good feeling
1: and did you have any uh, non-binary role models because there are a few people in the public eye now aren't there
3: yeah there is I mean I remember when Sam Smith came out quite a few quite a few years ago actually and it very mm. much got shunted off it was never really I feel like at the moment non-binary and gender fluid is very much at the peak of, of you know we've had non-binary models on the front of Visit Elle magazine recently and stuff which is awesome then we have Demi Lovato that's come out and and I think for me honestly there there wasn't really anyone other than just kind of watching sh- like YouTube videos and, and just understanding other people's experiences and And actually talking to a few of my trans friends, because I was quite confused, you know, I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I want to fully transition into the other gender. And then I was kind of like, but I I definitely don't. Mm. And I think that was my struggle the most was, do I want to be a woman or a man? i was so fixated on one or the other that actually I'm just in the middle and that's okay. You know, that's okay as well. So, yeah.
1: Do you think things are getting better? Because certainly, you know, as you just mentioned there, when Sam Smith came out they had such a hard time didn't they and yeah even they did so many radio presenters misgendering them on air or you know constantly still happens you know do you think things are a bit better
3: yeah definitely I mean we've progressed massively and I think at the recent Brit Awards they did say that they were going to try and uh, even change the categories there as well or ask Sam which category they would prefer to be put into because unfortunately there is still categories there's a long mm. way to go but if we look at back then hit their reaction that they got to the reaction that Demi Rivato got. They've both had very different reactions, and Demi seems to have had a better reaction, or it's 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 just kind of really more in the public eye. Now I, I think people are taking it seriously for once, you know, and not just being shunted as another a queer ism or something, you know, because it's a real thing. And and I think, yeah, and, and I think even I've got a couple of cousins that are school teachers, and when I've told them they're like, oh, we teach this at school now. It's like, wow, really? I, I was scared to even come out um, at school. So that's incredible. And, and yeah, and if we think about that from 20 years time, I'll go to show my age too much, but how mm-hmm. we could be in 20 years time in the future, if we don't start keep progressing and doing these movements and, and really showing that it can be a thing, then, you know, our kids, 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 they're going to have a happy future and hopefully it won't be such a, I shouldn't even have to be doing this basically. No, but, exactly. you know, we do. And, and, and I will continue to do it until it, until it gets better exactly
1: and people might think that um you know the topic that you've picked because you are a hairdresser is is, mm-hmm. a, is a minimal one is not an important one but it is so easy for people to feel really really uncomfortable isn't it and you know 100% not feel like they can even walk into a hairdressers or a shop. Have, have you had lots of examples of people coming to you going I am so upset I've just been refused a haircut in a in a salon or I've just been refused a haircut in a barbers does that happen a lot do you think
3: Yes, loads. It happens. I mean, out of my survey, it, you know, it's happened probably at least 60% of the time that anyone from the LGBTQIA plus community, especially go into a place, um, especially those that identify as trans or non-binary You know, that's that's a big deal because your body, you know, and your hair, you get a lot of body dysphoria as it is. And obviously, as well, during lockdown, a lot of people have been stopped a lot of hormones and treatments. And one thing that they could probably control is their hair. And for me, if I didn't have my hair as short as I do, I mean, you know how it feels when you've had a new fresh fade and stuff, you might feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm good, I'm confident. And that's that's all acts acts you know, and I think it's imperative the power of a haircut is is unbelievable, regardless to anyone, let alone to someone that has other underlying things that we have to go through on a daily basis as it is.
1: Yeah, well, actually, because people might just go, oh, it's just a haircut. But actually, if you think how empowered you feel after a good haircut or Mm -hmm. or just the fact that you go and you get pampered and someone washes your hair. It's a really it should be a really lovely, positive, life affirming um, process. It It
3: shouldn't be a process where people literally feel, you know, my client journey as a non-binary person is very, very stressful because I'm not only looking for some. I can't just walk past the barbershop and look in and see the word man everywhere. And I'll just instantly feel put off because I feel like oh god they're just going to think you know that I'm a lesbian who wants skin fade or I'm this or I'm that or they're going to talk about me and and that's probably judgmental on my side but however when you've been judged so many times it's very hard not to have that so to Mm. have somewhere come in that creates a safe space I think it's just really important and that that barbers and, and hairdressers are amazing people we're all they're all great but I think you know, some of them could just do a bit of education on, you know, some of my friends, they don't even know what non-binary is. They don't know pronouns, but once you educate them, they're like, oh, okay, right, easy, got it now. Is that so, part yeah. of
1: your campaign then, to educate hairdressers?
3: Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's one of the main things that I do is I, I, I'm an educational platform where, like, I, I, was, I created it to remove the stigma associated in the hair industry and just to educate people, do events, uh, go to workshops, get them onto more webinars... Like 10% of my profits, whatever I make, goes straight back into trans awareness char- charities and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a massive part of it. It's just to educate what we have and improve on what we've got. We can open more gender-neutral and non-binary barbers, but what are we achieving? I think it's better that we have a diversity throughout for, for forever now, really.
1: What can we do about the prices as well? Because that's the thing that irks me the most, I think. Like, I will go yeah. to the hairdresser's. And I'll get the same haircut that a bloke would get. And yet yep. I'll be charged twice the price because they've told me it's a woman's haircut. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and I think that's pricing is probably one of the most important subjects that I touch on. I touch on pricing and representation and stuff like that. But I think with pricing, that's, that's one thing I cover in Hair Is No Gender on the course. And it's just a way that you can, as a salon or barbershop, just take away the word gents haircut, change it to, to short or long below the chin you know you pay a bit more above the chin you pay less skin fade you pay a bit more because they're more technical literally take out the binary words and you still have haircut you have short haircut long haircut skin fade facial trim
1: it's down to the amount of time that, and skill that of course, is going to yeah. be needed by the hairdresser. surely it's
3: yeah 100% and and you know to, to cut your hair and to cut anyone else's it's just you know it's it's different more so through cultures and textures that can make it harder dark hair is typically harder to fade than light hair but then we don't charge dark hair people more than we do light hair so why are we charging more for someone that you don't understand what is inside them and how they identify expression and identity are are two different things and I think that's why it you know there's bigger bigger brands that I'm definitely not coming at but I'm going to definitely put it towards and be like why is this still a thing because if I rang some of them brands to book an appointment or online most of the booking systems won't give me an option to put my pronouns so I'll either be male female or other when I get there they'll see my hair then they'll say you know okay we'll cut it and then they'll say oh you had a female haircut today this is how much you pay then I'll say I did it then who's going to be more embarrassed what happens there you know and I probably mm. would just pay it and I shouldn't have to suck it every time no um, well, yeah. tell you what happened
1: to me once at a local barbers um I went in and I, th- I would say it was a barbers I don't know what it I don't even know the difference it wasn't like stereotypical old-fashioned barbers it right. was a small like sort of suburban hairdressers and I went in um and I really got on with the guy actually it was a right laugh and he did my hair, which well I have to shaved around the sides. I've got my hairs probably about an inch and a half. Like I've got a quiff, quite short. And then he turned to me at the end and he went, Oh, I'm only going to charge you 15 quid because basically you've had a bloke's haircut. And I was like, wow. Brilliant. Thank you. But then part of me was like, Hmm, slightly rude. I don't want a yeah. bloke's haircut. I just want my <laughs> haircut. Thank you very much. So
3: yeah. yeah. It's a tricky one. And and you know what? Hats off that he he actually tried to, to not you know make you pay a different price but at the same time you know it was a bit and I think to be honest he he obviously didn't even mean any malice by it I think it's the fact that we're traditionally that's what's been set but if we can go around and we can change that one barbershop at a time one hairdresser at a time then it will just be that is a 15 pound haircut for you Emma and that should be how it is and I think that that is the thing because even even you you know you probably thought oh great I got a cheaper haircut but why on earth should you feel like that?
1: yeah no exactly it should just be par for the course shouldn't it really exactly that well I was in um, Cardiff a couple of weeks ago and um, there's a hairdressers on the high street but it was called everything is 19 pounds I saw the title of the shop and I was like, what the hell is that everything's 19 pounds but every single haircut was 19 pounds whatever they did I mean that's that's uh,
3: that's an interesting one but at least there's no discrimination there I guess but um, I'm not sure that would work for
1: every hairdresser but there you go
3: yeah, I, I, think, I think at least they haven't put, you know, that price in. And also they're thinking, I think financially from a business aspect as well, if you just take away that word and you don't, you know, I won't walk past your shop, I might walk in, then what's going to happen? You're going to get more money because you're going to make, mm. make people feel more comfortable. And, you know, that, that's exactly why I, I've, I've set up Hair Is No Gender, just to just try and really push that movement. And on, on Hair Is No Gender as well, there's a directory for anyone that needs to find somewhere where they can feel safe.
1: So okay, well, how do we um, find this directory then? And is it just London at the moment, or is it are you can trying to go no, no. Yeah, nationwide or global?
3: It's, it's uh, at the moment. It's 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 pretty small. Like I said, I started this back in the first lockdown. The directory actually website got launched probably about four months ago now. So it's hmm. very very new. it's my baby, and slowly slowly we're getting there. I've got about a few listings, and it's it's completely nationwide within the UK. Hmm. So that hopefully then, if someone is in Manchester, for example they can look in and be like right which haircut which uh which barbershop or salon has had the hair is no gender training which means they can feel like all right you know what not a safer space because I think that's a weird term sometimes however they can just feel that they're going to be more comfortable because they know that they've been educated on the use of pronouns and you know that hair is hair and that we're not going to judge you here whatever you want to do we'll advise you as stylist because that's what we do but we're not going to say you're too pretty for that cut or you're too handsome for this you know and I think that's that's the thing, and you can find that on the website, uh, hair is no gender UK. So, give us the website then again. Oh, sorry, so it's www.hairhasnogender.co.uk. And there is also other people on there. So, we've um, I've got a lot of beauty people, um, where I've been co- collaborating with Sam Marshall, who's high up in the beauty industry. So, their, their details are on there too. And if anyone obviously wants beauty stuff done or waxing, that will also be listed on the hair is no gender website as well. Fantastic.
1: And I guess there'll be people listening that work in an industry that um, go, God, I'm, I need to get my boss involved in this or I need to get my salon involved in this. So can, can they approach you as well and say, look, my team really could do with this training?
3: Yeah, 100 um, percent. I think the best the best way to approach me personally would be on my Instagram, which is Kerry Blue Barber or on Hair Is No Gender. I've got two Instagram accounts um, or you can just, like I said, go to the website, hairisnogender.co.uk and drop me an email. But yeah, it's, it's, definitely a, it's definitely an option for people to come to me. Like I said, we do webinars, we go out to to shops and, and places and I can also just be on the other end of an email or a Zoom call. Yeah.
1: And if people are out and about, you know, they haven't got access to the website or whatever, is there any way that they can spot that um, these hairdressers and salons have had, had your training and are going to be a safe space?
3: Yes, that's a really good point. So everyone that's verified on my training just receive a directory spot as I've just said and they receive a tiny window sticker which is not too tiny about 10 by 10 and it's just literally the hair is no gender symbol in a circle in purple and yellow so yeah they can see that on the window it will just be in a corner of any shop and then they can feel like okay right they've had some training so let's go in here and hopefully they have a great experience and if they don't contact
2: me. <laughs>
1: exactly because we yeah. all need a bit of pampering, don't we, after the after the pandemic, so we all need to be, you know, made to feel good about ourselves and about our hair. So what a fantastic fantastic campaign. What sort of reaction have you had from it so far, Kenny? Uh
3: yeah, it's been amazing. Um it's been incredible within the industry. It's been in, it's been shown in a lot of hair magazines now, a lot of barber magazines and I think the main point of today was to get it out to people that you know I've I've started to create this movement within the industry but I want more people now who don't want to come out of the house and get a haircut because they do find it an intimidating experience don't like contact me we'll find you somewhere we'll get you somewhere where you can really embrace and look you know be with people that can make you look the way you feel and I think that's imperative everyone has that right and I think you know once we can get this moving, that 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 will be the main thing. Exactly. Well, best
1: of luck with it all. It's such thank a cause, it really is. And um, thank you for speaking to me
3: today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. And you've also got great hair, might I say. Thank you. So do you. I'll have to come <laughs> give you a trim. <laughs> A big thank
1: you to Kerry from Hair Has No Gender. And if you want to get involved, maybe you're looking for a um, barber or a salon that's a bit more LGBT inclusive, particularly if you're a non-binary, or you just don't want to get ripped off or told that you can't have that particular haircut, um, get involved at hairhasnogender.co.uk. Coming up shortly, you'll be meeting a 15-year-old trans boy who lives in the valleys in Wales. He's on with his mum, talking about his coming out story and how he navigated changing name and pronouns while still at school. So brave to talk to me, particularly because he really suffers from social anxiety. So I'm really pleased that he agreed to talk to me and be brave enough to come on air.
4: You ready? The Weekend
0: Outing with Emma Goswell. Virgin Radio Pride. So,
1: Noah, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about um, you and perhaps how how you identify.
4: Um, Transgender.
1: Okay, so you identify as being a, a trans man. So... Talk us through your journey then because you're what 14 now? Fif- you're 15, sorry, apologies. Um and when did you start thinking or questioning your, your gender identity?
4: I knew from a young age, but I didn't really know what it meant like to be transgender.
1: Like, yeah, what when you say young, what sort of seven, eight?
4: Yeah, around there.
1: Yeah. So what sort of thoughts were you having?
4: Um, I I knew something didn't feel right and I wasn't comfortable.
1: So was it um, was it like a uniform thing or or was it a clothing thing?
4: Clothing and like being being known as a girl and stuff.
1: And Donna, at any stage when Noah was that young, did you notice that he was uncomfortable, that he was struggling with his gender at all?
2: Yeah. Whenever we went uh, clothes shopping or anything, you know, he would head straight to the, the men, the boys' trainers. Yeah. He would instead of the girls'. Yeah, he always played boys' games instead of girls' games, and you
1: know. What sort of games did you play when you were maybe a kid? What sort of things? Because I presume you weren't, you know, like me. My sister played with all the dolls, and I refused to. I had evil con evil.
2: He played football with the boys in school. Uh, Lego.
1: See, Lego is pretty gender neutral, isn't it? I think that's what I love about Lego. Yeah. Was there at any point, Donna, when you were trying to go? Oh, actually. You're shopping in the wrong part of the department store and, you know, in- encouraging Noah to try and wear different clothes.
2: No, just, it's just clothing, isn't it? You know, just wear what you want, what you feel comfortable in.
1: So, and then at some point, I guess, you had to actually talk through your feelings and try and explain what you were thinking then. Do you remember that conversation, Noah? What, how did it go?
2: wasn't actually a conversation, was it at first?
4: No, I texted my sister and told her first. And then um, she helped me to write a letter to my mum to explain it.
1: Oh, you wrote a letter? That's proper old-fashioned, isn't it? And what was that process like, writing it down?
4: Um, It was quite hard because I didn't really know how to word it. And then what, you left it on the table? Did Uh, you sit there
1: while she read it?
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, go on, Donald, can you remember what was in the letter?
4: Just
2: that he said that he wasn't happy um, being a girl and that he wanted to be a boy. Um, and he's always known that he wanted to be a boy, but couldn't tell me.
1: I'm guessing that wasn't a massive shock for you, was it, Donna?
2: No, not at all. <laughs> I was just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, so
1: what were your exact words when you read it?
2: I, I can't remember. I could not remember. You must do.
1: You must, when you were sat there watching her read, read the letter, what were you thinking, Noah? I was scared. Yeah. What, how did you think she might react?
4: do know. I didn't think
1: she would react badly. I was just like nervous to tell people. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, isn't it? So, yeah. did you have a did you have a big hug? Did you have a cry at the, on this occasion?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> How old were you then when this happened?
2: Um, it was 13. yeah, thir- thirteen.
1: And then, did you have to go through the process of um, choosing a name? Did you choose the name Noah? Well?
4: Yeah.
1: Which I love, by the way. And what? Why did you decide on that name?
4: I don't know, I was like looking up different names and stuff and then this one just felt right.
2: I didn't like it at first.
4: Oh, okay. And did you express that opinion?
1: Obviously,
2: yes. (laughs) Yes, but I think it was just, it was strange at first, you know, because obviously for 13 years, he'd been known as Erin. So it was just really, really difficult to, to call him something else after 13 years you know so I did struggle a bit at first
1: but as you say you've been used to that hadn't you and it sounds like you were more than willing to try and learn and and you know
2: yeah
1: was it difficult to respect pronouns as well to begin with was that was that difficult
2: yeah very difficult yeah and every time I I'd said um, she or her, or called him by his female name, he'd be shouting at me and getting really annoyed. And I'm like, I'm not doing it on purpose. You know, he's rolling his eyes now
1: at you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I used to get so angry. Yeah, well, I mean, talk us through how
1: that felt though, Noah, because you know I've spoken to a lot of trans people about this and it's, it's quite hurtful, isn't it? How, how did it feel when your mum said the wrong name or the wrong gender?
4: It was quite annoying. I knew she was trying her best, but it would, like, annoy me.
1: What about telling anybody else, then, in, in the family or, or friends?
4: My dad found it a bit difficult at first.
1: What did he say?
4: He didn't really say anything. Yeah, he didn't, did he?
1: But, Donna, did you or he know any other trans people at this
2: stage? Did you have any reference points? No, I, 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 knew, I'm, I know quite a few um, gay people, but not transgender people. My sister did. She knows a lot, she does. One of her best friend's brother is is transgender.
1: So is she quite helpful for you then, really?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: How's your dad now then? Has he come around to the idea? Yeah, he's fine now, isn't he? Yeah, so he does respect your pronouns and call you the right name then, yeah. Yeah. And you've got what, a sister and a brother?
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. My sister is older, my brother is younger. Yeah, and are they cool? Yeah,
2: most of the time. A brother is a bit, uh, you know, when they bicker in and things, you know, you'll you'll call him something not nice.
1: Oh God!
2: <laughs> well, let's talk
1: school then, because that that must have been interesting. Because did you have to go through the process of um, reporting it to school and saying I now want to use this name on the register and I want to change uniforms? Talk us through how how it all happened.
4: Um, we had a meeting in school and they changed the name on the register and stuff. So last September, when I went back, there was, like, a different name on the register and stuff.
1: And how did that go? What 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 was their response of school? They were
2: really they, good, weren't they?
4: Yeah, they were good, and they changed the name on the register and stuff. They
2: emailed all the other teachers and um, explained to them so that you know, they didn't call him uh, she or anything in... Mm-hmm. They said that he could use the family changing rooms for PE if he didn't feel comfortable in the main changing rooms. Uh, the disabled toilet, they can use that.
1: But I mean, did you want to use the disabled toilet? Would you not rather use the men's toilet? Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Really, because they're accepting that you're male, but they're not fully treating you as male, well, are they? And it's kind of like a half halfway measure at the moment, isn't it? I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it was more to do with what Noah felt comfortable doing, you know. And and that must have been quite
1: a scary moment, I guess, going back to school. Talk us through that first day. What was it like?
4: I was scared about how the other children in school would react.
1: And how did they react?
4: Um, Not as bad as I expected.
1: And did they know any other trans people? Were there other trans kids at your school?
4: Not at that time, but there is two other people now, both men.
1: So it sounds like it's quite a progressive school really. Donna what how do you think they they've handled
4: Very well. And
2: they've said they they gave him a pass so that he could leave the classroom or anything and go and speak to a teacher or something if he felt he needed to or um if someone was being cruel to him or anything he could just leave the class wasn't he? So Talk us
1: through what, what's happened then. Have you had a few negative comments? There's been a few people misunderstanding, have there?
4: Um, Sometimes, yeah, there's, like, odd person who would say something. I think it's just one person, isn't it?
1: But that's still hurtful, isn't it? In, are, the, are the school doing everything they can to, to clamp down on that?
2: They were. They, it's a fairly good school.
1: And are you a member of a
4: LGBT group as well? You are, aren't you, I think? Um, they started one in school a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. It's every thursday at lunch times and anybody can go there really and they just there's two people from family first who come in and they just let us do our own thing really and have you
1: got quite a few out um gay people as well at the school then
4: not gay but there is uh, a few bisexual people there okay I mean see this to me
1: is just like blown my mind the thought of having you know an lgbt group at school it's something well,
2: it wouldn't that never be asked
1: before would it? no I mean I went to school in the 80s when was your time at school Donna 90s 90s yeah and it wouldn't have happened men either would it though um, no I mean nobody talked about it we were still suffering from clause 28 and you weren't allowed to even talk about it in classrooms and uh, uh, yeah. you know, it was very very different time
2: yeah this is what i think that the children in school are not so bothered by these things now, because I think because it's spoken about more openly, their children accept it better than they would have years ago.
1: Yeah, I think so. I actually think young people are understanding gender
4: yeah. and sexuality
1: a lot more than we ever did, really, and having those open conversations. Yeah. How do you see the future panning out then, though? What would you like for your future?
4: Want a medical transition
1: the full medical transition, and I guess that, that's a long journey though, isn't it? Have you even had a meeting with the gender clinic yet?
2: We're waiting, it's in the process, but there's a two-year waiting list. Which, which isn't a good thing, because by the time Noah gets an appointment, he'll be 18, so he can have operations and things then.
1: Okay. But yeah. there's a lot of people that are very unhappy that you know, young people are going through transitions and I'm sure you've seen it in social media. There's a lot of transphobia out there and people saying, oh, young people shouldn't be taking hormones or, or thinking about it until they're after 18. But what, what would you say to them, Noah?
2: Can't say it
4: on the radio.
1: <laughs> Without swearing, yeah. <laughs>
4: well, they just don't understand what it's like.
1: Who's been the most support, do you think, Noah, since you've come out? She's pretty awesome, really, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) Go on, what would you like to say to her by by way of thanks? Because not everyone has a positive experience, you know, a lot of people don't get supported by the parents, they get misgendered, you know, some get thrown out of home. It's you know, it can be tough, can't it? You know, for gay people and trans people.
2: Shocking. How can people throw their children out because of that? It's sickening,
1: isn't it? But it still happens, Donna. That's why we still have charities in this country to help, you know, for people that end up running away from home or getting made homeless. So, you know, unfortunately it does still happen. So would you have any advice, Noah, to other people who might be even younger than you, really questioning their gender identity and, and unsure about how to go forward? What would you say to them?
4: Think about it properly and, like, make sure that is the right decision for you before you tell anybody else.
1: Good. Wise words. And Donna, did you get any help from charities or organisations like Mermaids is a great charity helping young trans people and their families?
2: No, Noah has. He's having support with Umbrella Camry. Oh, fabulous. They, they did offer me support as well, but I didn't feel as though I needed it because it's not that I haven't accepted Noah because I have. The, the only issue that I had in the early days was his behaviour because he hadn't actually come out and said that he wanted to be a boy. His behaviour was appalling sometimes, wasn't it? <laughs> um, he's, he's
1: nodding in agreement there, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, that's when I felt I needed the help that was then, not not now.
1: Well, that implies that you're a lot happier and I've come out then, though. Would that be a true statement?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier once you've come out, isn't it? Donna, what advice would you give to um, other parents who have a child that comes out as trans and they don't know anything about it? They don't understand it. They might believed all these awful transphobic things and think that it's something wrong or that it's something they've done just
2: try, wrong. Just, just try your best to understand it and just, you know, go with it. And you know, it's your child at the end of the day. You should love them no matter what they are, whether they're male, female, or you know, or non-binary. Just, or non-binary, yeah, anything. This they, are still a person. They're still your child. Yeah, no has not changed you know, personality no. or anything, has he? No, no, not at all. No. So just do what you can to try and understand it and use the charities and things for them to help you understand as well.
1: So if Pride Cymru happens in August, which we're hoping it will, is that something that you might go to?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Donna's going to drag you there by the sounds of it Noah. And if you don't want to go, yeah. <laughs> what are you looking forward to about that? Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're an amazing parent, Donna, and it's been yeah. really lovely to talk to you. And um, Noah, I wish you all the best in the future. And, you know, I hope you make it to Pride Cymru and I hope you have an amazing, amazing future as a trans man and being out and proud, and I'm dead proud of you myself.
4: Thank you.
0: This is the Virgin Radio Pride cast.
1: Hey, I'm Emma Goldswell. Thanks for joining me. This is the weekend outing on Virgin Radio Pride, and I'm very excited to bring you a bit of a love story now. You're about to meet Dave and Peter. They are in their um, glamorous apartment in Ancote, just outside Manchester City Centre. Um, I'm told that Peter's slightly hungover. Um, <laughs> still, at this time of day, it's the evening. <laughs> Was it a big one last night, Peter?
0: It wasn't a big one, just a few drinks. but Meant to be one drink, but yeah, end up... That- yeah, <laughs> you know how it goes.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, apparently so. Well, you were saying you live where all the party gays live in Manchester. So you just have a quick walk down the canal and you are on the famous Canal Street. That must be a dream <laughs> place for you to live, right?
5: Absolutely. It, it, it wasn't planned at all in the slightest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, you both got slightly uh, different accents, shall we say. Um, how did you guys meet then?
5: We, we had a mutual friend in London. Yes, I used to live in London. So, yeah, Peter, Peter used to live in London. I was visiting quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, our, our friend became pally with Peter and uh, basically said, I've met a guy who you will absolutely love, <laughs> knowing my type of a Eastern European twink. Oh, thank you. And, uh, <laughs> quite, a, quite a specific one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he invited us down for a party. Peter was there. We met. Got got on. The rest of the yeah, we, we spent the next kind of four days together <laughs> yeah, yeah. over the weekend, um, and then uh, I was living in in Cheltenham at the time. Uh, you weren't happy in London, were you? I was.
0: I, I didn't. I not like that at all. Yeah, the was just too big and too it's expensive. Yeah, too expensive. I couldn't buy myself. So yeah, I decided to
5: move out to Birmingham so yeah yeah, his plan was his plan was to move to Birmingham um I said why don't you come and stay with me in Cheltenham because it's a bit of an easier stop gap and six years later I'm still trying to get rid of him
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you love him I can tell so hang on a minute that was quite quick how how soon after meeting to moving in that sounds very quick
5: I think we, we disagree on this but I think it was like a month but you think it was like a couple of months Not, after we met like you came and moved in
1: I think it was I think
5: it was a month I yeah. think it, mm, was, it was, was a month
0: so. between me moving to Birmingham and you suggested I think it was a month yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah
1: well too. even so I mean, people joke about the lesbian stereotype of being moving in on the second <laughs> date you were, you were trying to beat that record weren't you by the sounds of it
5: <laughs> we got a catch straight after as well yeah. did you <laughs> no no
1: no so, Peter, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, because I'm guessing it was, um, I mean, I'm detecting a very obvious Geordie accent there, Dave. Um, <laughs> Peter, where, where, tell us about where you grew up and where, what that was like.
0: Right. Well, I'm Polish. I'm from Poland. I live around six hours from, from the capital, which is far away, near Ukraine. So it's okay. really conservative, yeah. I grew up in a farm.
1: But did you know yeah. any other gay people?
0: not really i was i was basically one of one of the gay in the village pretty much <laughs> the <laughs> like,
1: only um, gay in the village Yeah, only in, in village. The, I'm the
5: Polish village I'm pretty sure, yeah, I was
1: the only one oh gosh did other people like pick up on the fact that you were different does that mean that you got bullied at all yeah
0: i was always i was always a different I was, I was this emo kid uh, back in the school but no one no, no one knew i was gay because i tried to like, i i, tried, I always try to lie about i'm gay but obviously by the look of me i was yeah, look like totally gay.
5: It wasn't was for nice. It wasn't nice for it you, wasn't was, it? Nice, but yeah. Uh, but my coming out
0: story, it's uh, it's all related to how I look and uh, how how I was treated, like the bullying and stuff.
1: Just paint a picture of what it was like in in Poland. I'm guessing we're talking about sort of 20 years ago. It would have been quite quite uh, difficult to go. is it?
0: I always hope there will be like a change. Like I'm now I'm now live seven seven years in UK and there's there's literally no change. There's the same It's going backward, yes, isn't it? Going it's going backwards in Poland. There's more charges for different houses.
1: So you were getting bullied anyway, just for being a bit I different.
0: A, maybe I wasn't bullied in the beginning after my because we got different education in Poland. I was in my third school, which is I choose the four year school pre-university. So after the, the the last year, I was the m- most bullied because I got I have three best girl best friends. Okay, and one of them was homophobic. She didn't know I was gay, so I came out to her, all, all of them. Three of them, look, I'm gay, and she told basically everyone in school. And after that, I was really bad. How homoph- like, old years.
1: were you then, Peter?
0: I was uh, maybe like seventeen.
1: Seventeen. Okay. Seventeen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was really bullied. I didn't really finish my last uh, my last class because uh, I had to change I had to, I had to change cities because I was beat up after after one of the lessons after school my nose is broken in two places so I have to change I have to move cities to finish my my school. Gosh, so you were physically yeah, beat
1: physically beaten up after leaving yeah. school one day. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I choose like I choose like, just I can't live this life anymore. And I said no, I'm, I have to I have to have to move on. And I didn't really tell my parents what's going on. And that was the most painful thing, you know, like seeing a parent crying and...
2: Not, the not knowing know the reason why. Yeah. So mama
0: can't tell, mama can't tell. You. So I basically moved to Warsaw. I had, I had friends there, so they basically helped me finish my school and everything. I moved to UK after that and told my parents I'm gay.
1: Gosh, OK, well, let's just re- let we'll hold that thought at the moment, though, but just going back to when you were still at school then. Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, it must have been devastating for you to come out to a friend who you thought was a good yeah. friend who then,
0: was
1: good friend, yeah. who, who then turned their back on you and then told the rest of the school when it was none of her business to do that
0: yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. i do you know, i forgive her because because of her i'm here you know what i mean <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's a nice look it it's a nice look, out look, yeah. look. I, I, i'm
0: not talking about this of course like but yeah it's a, horrible, it's a horrible feeling i i've got i had a one gay friend we were super like going as a in a small this conservative town i there was no gay people around me i didn't know there's a gay mm. people i thought i'm this lonely lonely gay just for myself mm. obviously yeah. i was on this website a polish gay website and i found this on <laughs> this guy who's who's like me right and we just uh, started becoming good friends and uh, we actually went to the same school which is fantastic and we just you know become really best friends but his story is, is, is really sad what he did is he he came out to his parents that he's gay and uh, the next day he committed suicide because they took oh. him out from his house. So I thought at, the, at this point, me being bullied, oh. broken noses, uh, lost my best friend who is gay, and I thought I have to I have to change my life. So that's why I moved to Warsaw, just capital, and I have to finish my years. I couldn't tell my parents physically because I see thought I'm gonna end up with him. Oh my know, god, awful. that's that's
1: awful. so upsetting. And his pa- did awful. his parents know that that's why he committed suicide? I mean, yeah,
0: so uh, yeah, he, he, said, he told them that he's gay and they just couldn't bear it. Like, that, that his son his gay and uh, they took him out of the flat saying, you know, You're know, you not leaving him anymore. We know, you know, you know our son. And he just committed suicide in his, in his bedroom. Yeah. I was devastated because that was only my best gay fan for any match. We just started experiencing, you know, looking at the boys and, you know, and just, yeah, and was like on, this. Was, yeah.
1: That's horrific. That's such yeah. a lot to get over, isn't it? And then, yeah. but then going back to the physical attack. I mean, did you yeah. report that? Did you? Of course um, I
0: did. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course I did. We, put, I press charges. I know who he was. Uh, of course I won the case. Um, but, but back in the day, I didn't really. I asked for the money, of course, because I thought I'm going to, you know, do like a uh, like a surgery on my nose, but it wasn't enough, unfortunately. Yeah. No no compensation,
5: yeah, compensation. Can, can really. I mean, yeah. having your nose broken multiple times yeah. is just was horrendous, f- awful. Oh, yeah. Did
1: you report it as a homophobic attack as well, though? Because that's, it's, you know, certainly in this country... I be didn't, important. I did
5: not,
0: no.
1: No, you just said I was beaten up, you didn't say why.
0: I was just beaten that because of someone, yeah. I I, I, I just, I couldn't because my mum was with me and she was asking what was going on. I just I just couldn't say that, that was a homophobic attack.
1: So given all that, you know really traumatic stuff that had happened to you yeah. as a teenager. It's no wonder yeah. you moved to Warsaw. Was, were things yeah. better in Warsaw?
0: Yeah, we, a, little, a little bit, not as, as bad as my town. Uh, but I finally started finding out friends like like similar to me, like obviously gay people. And, uh,
5: I mean, we've been to Warsaw together, together. and it, it's, it's, it's far more accepting than what his hometown is, yeah, but it's still not anywhere near anywhere else that we've been like to. Manchester, but it, it is getting there slowly.
1: And is that kind of um, what led you to move to the UK then, Absolutely, Peter? Because I it was just, the... it just wasn't I moved... gay friendly, yeah.
0: Yeah, it wasn't gay friendly, yeah. I moved for the freedom and yeah, I was physical minded. And like in Poland, I'll never, you know, express myself as a drag queen, for example. And that's the reason I, I came here, to enjoy the freedom.
1: Gosh, and you didn't come out to your parents till you moved to the UK then. So you had the yes. distance, so yeah. the safety, I guess.
0: Yeah, for the sake, thank you very much. Dave is my, my first boyfriend, and um, my my actual coming story was I posted a picture of Dave and kissing Dave on a, on a, on Facebook, and my mom was like, "What is going on? What's this?" <laughs> and, yeah, and brave. Yeah, and my whole family hated me, like even now. I, I lost lots of the family members, like cousins and and it's aunties. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. Uh, and I lost contact with my parents over for like four years, five years
1: four or five years because of this one picture.
0: Because of the one picture, yeah. My mom just just couldn't contact me saying, oh my God. So my family is really Catholic, really Christian. So Mm. I was brought up in a, like, you know, going to church every Sunday. So I don't understand high of view, but at the same time, you basically lost son because I'm not gonna change. For you, that's my life. But, but you
1: know, when you posted that picture, did you know what was coming? What's coming,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah. I knew what's coming. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But you decided to go down that route, of posting a very public picture, rather than sitting your parents down and having a conversation, I guess. Was it just easier to do it that way?
0: Do you know, I was sick of hiding. I was sick of hiding. I was always hiding all my life, and I thought, that's, that's the time or never. And I actually lost a lot of friends, and yeah, I, don't, I think that's the best, best move I ever did. Yeah. What
5: the one thing I've got to know about Peter over the six years is he's quite impulsive. <laughs> <All> <laughs> black, right. Very black, very black yeah, and white, yeah. aren't you? So, not, but you don't regret that decision, but agree. it was it was probably a very impulsive decision to do so.
0: But the, the, worst, the worst, feeling was losing my family for so long. You know, I had such amazing contact with my with my sister. Like, I love my sister the bit, Okay, and that was I think that was the most, most painful. Not hearing her for, like, you know, four years. Yeah.
1: So she didn't respond to you either? So she cut you out?
0: Yeah, she did, yeah. She just followed the, f- the family, basically, which is so, understandable.
1: So the whole family just cut you out for a number yeah, of cut years?
0: Yeah, my empresa. my cousin will actually find my number somehow and call me saying, oh, what are you doing to your family? I was actually shocked, like, how dare you calling me? And uh, I'm not even putting Paul anymore. I want to live my life. So, yeah, I said, I just hung up with him because I was so upset. On I day. bet.
1: But yeah. Do you speak to them now? Then
0: yes, I do actually. My mom, after f- this five years, called me saying, "Look, I'm, I'm not even going to change. I'm, I'm losing sound slowly. So, just yeah, maybe you slowly, you know, making some progress." And I say, "Absolutely!" Right. Like, and it, them, it right. is in a much better yeah. position well, yeah, than where you yeah. were, absolutely. And uh, we went to Poland. They've met my parents.
1: Oh my god! I need oh, to god. find. I need to hear <laughs> all about this. I want to get. <laughs> <your head back. laughs> so stay where you are, guys. You ready?
0: The weekend outing with Emma Goswell.
4: Virgin Radio Pride.
1: I'm still joined by the very gorgeous Peter from Poland and Dave the Geordie. I've just written down Dave the Geordie. I don't even know whereabouts in Geordie Turney from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave, where uh, are you from?
5: I'm from a place called Walls End, which is I don't think I've got an accent anymore as well as people, yeah. people say I still do. I've been away for like Newcastle for 20 years, 20 odd years. Um, a place called Walls End, it's where Hadrian's Wall ends.
1: And if you've just joined us, you missed Peter's, God, brutal and traumatic coming out story. Really, so you, to cut a long story short, you literally moved to the UK because it was safer to be an out gay man, and didn't tell your parents. And when you finally did, the entire family basically disowned you for what four years.
0: Yeah, four years. Yeah. And
1: by this time, you had met Dave, though, in a in a pub in uh, yeah, London. Yeah, your eyes yeah. had locked locked on each other.
5: <laughs> Across a smoky room.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, when you met Peter, did he seem like he was in this very vulnerable place because he, he didn't have a family? It must have been tough for him, right?
5: We never really talked about it when we first met, did we? It just came yeah. to light kind of afterwards. So, but, I mean, over those four years, I, I can't remember when the, when the date was that we actually we met your parents and how long we'd been together... Uh, must we, have been, it must like, It was a couple of years in, wasn't like it? I two years have been yeah. Or something like this, yeah. So we we made like the long trip to Poland and see, it's like six hours to your hometown, isn't it? So you need to take a plane to Warsaw <laughs> and it's a five hours in the bus, bus to get yeah. to his hometown. So I was like mulling things over yeah. for how things were going to go. I mean, my my natural defence when I meet a parent is or parents is humour. And, and your parents don't speak a word of English, to them, ah. or most of your family don't. Which is and how
1: much Polish natural. do you speak then, Dave?
5: About five words in the nice. six years, so mm. <laughs> swearing words, so maybe <laughs> swearing words and rude words. So yeah, it was a kind of a natural blocker there to start off with. But we we went there. We met your mum in the hometown, oh, yeah, in like a, be- a beautiful square. I mean, I was nervous. Went and got her some flowers. And she came and met us. I mean, well, have, uh, bear in mind, I haven't seen her for like four years. After. No, it must
0: be four years together. Because yeah, they, uh, yeah. So yeah, I haven't seen my parents, my entire family for four years. Wow. So that was the first ever situation that I'm, I'm, I'm meeting my, my parents and also introducing my parents to my boyfriend. And introducing your I'm parents
1: mean, to your first boyfriend. Sorry, boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. Dave, We're no just... pressure. Actually, no,
5: absolutely. <laughs> I mean it was it, I thought it went as well as what it could be expected to be honest we just, we yeah. met we gave I gave her some flowers it was more you guys catching up than yeah. than anything else but we went back to the family home yeah. after that so I, his, was, I mean you can get you, you can you can get on to yeah. your, your how your dad's kind of accepted you in a second but he's, your dad was there wasn't he as well was I think there, yeah, yeah. And we went to the family home. But, I mean, it, as I say, it was, I was pretty much just sat there <laughs> with my, my hand like, in between the legs. No, i can speak of the word. Li- trying to listen, yeah. listen to what was going on and on, on my best behavior. But, I mean, they ex- from my personal point of view, they accepted me into their home. Yeah. um his well, his, they have his, to. his mother <laughs> well too, too. Do you know what they didn't know to be honest so i think that i i think from personally for me That's i cool. felt that was a big step forward from you guys not speaking for so long yeah um and uh, his your mother was talking to me via you so through peter as a translator but we were we were we were talking and conversing and and then uh, I, it was a hard work. Really. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm <laughs> painting a light picture of it. It was hard work. It was hard work.
1: But, I mean, that's a difficult situation for you as well, though, Dave, isn't it? Because you are um, meeting these people that had rejected the, the love of your life and put you know, put him through lots of pain. So it's a difficult situation for you as well, isn't it? And I think it shows uh, how much you must love him to, to go through all that.
5: Oh, absolutely. I wanted to be by his side. and I don't think any of us, either of us, knew how it was going to go, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. We didn't have a clue. Um, but as I say, I think it went as probably as well as can be expected, and we've yeah. been back many times oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's got it's got progressively better every time we've we we've went friendly, and yeah. and went back to the family home.
1: How was it for you, Peter? Then that first that first meeting.
0: I was I was really scared. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I just wanted to see my my mum. Honestly, I I love her to bit She she had the cancer, so when I was when I was younger, she she lost her breasts, the double mastectomy, and. Uh, you know, not, not being here for so long, I always, I always, would, like, support her, have this mom hug, oh. you know, talk to her. And, and the first time, honestly, I was in tears. I was like, oh, God, I can't believe that's actually happening.
1: Did you, you forgive her up? then for, you know,
0: Absolutely. I'm in you. It, and, you know, yeah. Of course, I'm, I forgive her. I love her
5: a bit. And, yeah. And... She even messages me on Facebook
1: now. Yeah, she
0: actually do.
5: Does <laughs> <That's true. laughs> she? Yeah. She'll like my posts and send me likes, likes and comments, comments which well, I, it- is a world a world away from what we were.
0: So.
1: Well, well, at least you can just click the Translate button on Facebook.
5: <laughs> you <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't translate. Actually, like you yeah, you, no. there's some very weird translations yeah. which come
1: up. <laughs> oh, I bet. No. I bet. So go on then, Peter. Does he, do your parents like him? Do they approve?
0: Uh, I would say my mum likes Dave, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about my father.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole, different, that's I know a whole other story, though, yeah. isn't it, for your father?
0: Uh, what about my grandmother? Uh, I think she just knows you as a
5: friend. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I mean, I, his mum knows I'm his boyfriend. His dad does. His, his sister and brother do. But yeah. I think to everyone else in the family, I'm still a friend, yeah. which, is, which is fine. I mean, I, I know plenty of relationships yeah. where it's not accepted in you you're accepted in your own way. Yeah. And I think you need to reconcile that for yourself, knowing how far that came compared to how you, how far, what it was like when you first met. So I am happy with that as the, the, to me, the right people know. And even if we don't really she discuss- She would just it, wouldn't
0: understand. She just, you know, this eight years old person that doesn't really understand what gay is, what gay means, you know, yeah. what's the gay world, she would just not understand. So there's no- it, it was the same
5: with my grandmother yeah. as well. She did, she never knew fully because she was of that generation generation, where it was probably worse for her to know than not know by the time she was Mm. towards the end of her life. I'm quite
0: happy to not tell you Uh, I'm gay and David's my boyfriend, so yeah.
1: So Dave, let's um, find out a little bit about your background then and and your coming out story. So I moved away from
5: Newcastle when I was 18, went to to Liverpool University um, to to do my um, degree and then PhD. So, I mean, gosh, where do I start with my coming out story then? So uh, my sister... Had gay friends all her life, so I've been surrounded by, by gay people. Um, I guess I kind of knew from a young age and was, was comfortable in, in that respect from, from a very young age just because I was surrounded by people. I remember my sister took me to what before I was before she knew I was gay to my first gay bar in Newcastle, uh, and I remember being sat there and like shock and awe that there was people around me, men kissing in a club, and all that wow. kind of stuff. So, so she so helped me come
1: out then in a way.
5: Essentially, yeah. I mean she she just created a really nice atmosphere that I, I, I could do. And she was she was the first person I did come out to prior to in family anyway, before before my mum. So she knew before me. There was a coming out story at school where I mean I was similar to Peter. I was I was bullied, not to the ex- anywhere near the extent that, that Peter was, bless him. Um, but natural bullying in school around being different, I was the, the, I was intelligent at school, so I got bullied for that. I was a bit chubby, I got bullied for that. And then I, uh, when people found out that I was I was gay, it, it, it kind of made things worse in that respect. But um, as I say, luckily I wasn't anywhere near the, what you had to go through. Thank goodness. <laughs> moved moved away to university. Uh, my friends were like, "Why aren't you? Why haven't you told your parents that you're gay?" I mean, my my father was old school. He was. Uh, in his 70s when he died so almost 80 so I had a very old old father he had me when I was when he was 55 Randy Bugger. Wow. and yeah yeah um,
3: so Okay. Yeah,
5: no, definitely. So, so coming out to a generation which is a bit older, which my dad was, was always difficult. So I never really, really did it until I moved to university.
1: Well, I came out in Liverpool as well, and it's quite a fun place to come out, isn't it? It was absolutely. Uh, it was a bit of a gay scene, even in the early nineties when I was there.
5: It was either Manchester or Liverpool I wanted to go to, and I chose Liverpool. And I have no regrets. It's a beautiful city and a great city to live in.
1: So, what does the um, future hold for you two? Then, do we think
5: we engaged? We oh, are engaged. Yes, yes. Oh. I
0: actually to him. Which you is had strange. to. Well, no, you <laughs> have. No, then you have to.
5: On Christmas Day. On Christmas
0: Day, indeed, in front of your family. Yeah.
1: In front of his family?
0: Yeah, in front, in front, of, front of my family. Yeah, yeah, Oh
1: my God! Paint, paint the picture, please. I need to have all the details. <laughs> I was
5: breaking. Okay, I was absolutely breaking. I was uh, That's a. funny story when... there so. So, I didn't I didn't have a clue. Peter kept going about, I've bought you the most expensive Christmas present I'm ever going to buy you. So, I was thinking, oh, great, it's going to be an iPhone. Oh yes, I want the brand new iPhone. <laughs> so, pre- present after present after present comes, uh, no iPhone. And then it gets to the last present. And he gives me a box and I, I rattle it. Still doesn't feel heavy enough for an iPhone. Um, open up the box. And there's a uh, just a simple folded up bit of white paper. I open it up and it you says, "Will you, will you marry me?"
0: so you didn't even what? say it, did
5: you? You, just, you always, just gave me the box with a bit of paper. I was that
0: shocked. See,
5: <laughs> like, and there's
0: an expensive, the expensive present. The ex- expensive present is my love. Okay. <laughs> 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 you see, this is like <laughs> priceless. Cheap so. present. Cheap present.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you read it out in front of your family or sat round under the tree then?
5: Yeah, it was the it it was, was, last, last ever get to so say You didn't even read it out. You oh, just, you just looked, at, looked at the red the paper and I was, yeah, I was like, I was come that,
0: on. I in shock. I was starting <laughs> under pressure because everyone's eyes on me. I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to say it. But I, I did say will you marry me? And you he did. said, no. No, he said yes. You'd yeah.
5: arranged it all with my sister. I did
0: arrange with your sister, yeah. Yeah. bought and all the champagne and all the balloons and stuff. I think
5: everyone, obviously everyone knew before me, but all yeah. our friends knew what we was planning and all that kind Obviously, of
0: I had to ask her first, like, for the permission, I suppose. Oh. Because there was no other option, so. And oh. that was
5: that was two, two and a bit
1: years yeah. ago? Yeah, come two on, two and a half years ago. Covid's nearly over. Ready time to, <laughs> time to party?
5: Come on! Yeah, few years ago. Yeah, it's been five years. No. I know. We've, I don't know. We've, we've not really. We've kind of got engaged, and then I think we're going to be one of those relationships that just sits on it for ages. And but. And then does it eventually, you I think we've married. got, yeah, obviously I'm, I, I want to get married to you, but I think we've just got a, don't know, just too busy partying yeah. at the minute. To, yes,
1: <laughs> now are things busy, are <laughs> over. You are busy partying, yeah. And yeah. Peter, you do a bit of drag as well, so I hear. Well, drag, as I've yeah, seen I mean, on Instagram, <laughs> tell us more.
0: Yes, I did drag uh, for a while. And um, yeah, I did host a lot. Of, I actually didn't perform, unfortunately, a lot, maybe in the future. But I did host lots of clubs on uh, the UK, uh, mainly in, in Manchester in the Gay Village. Uh, Go
5: and get a plug for your Instagram. <laughs> <Go on. laughs>
0: it's Sanjo <Sandra> Tyson. <laughs> yeah, but then is Sandra Tyson. I created this persona over, uh, over lockdown. He's just like a, a Russian lady who gets cleaning
5: pissed. lady. Yeah, clean lady
1: gets <laughs> <laughs> Sandra Tyson. Sandra a,
2: I say, yeah. Okay. Oh, kid. as
1: in like sanitizer. Yeah, so yeah, I have got there eventually. Sorry, guys. I'm a bit slow. Yeah. So, is this a new career avenue for you then, Peter? Or, uh...
0: No, no, at all. It was just, it was, it was a work for me for a while, but uh, it was just taking over my life pretty much. So, I decided to not quit drug, but it just, it, now it's just a pure hobby.
1: Just no. a hobby? Oh, yeah, okay. just a hobby,
0: yeah. I did like it just yeah. now, I was just a It's a well-priced man face always just enough and, you yeah, know, just having a lovely time with friends. And my oh, mum no. loves you, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, you know, she's I'll part,
5: part of the family. I mean, my mum has completely accepted me as, yeah. as being gay after I came out to her and 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 loves Peter as as one of the family now. So yeah. you've spent, spent more time here, I think, recently than you have oh, yeah. with, with your family, yeah, haven't family, you? Yeah. So, um, which is lovely. So loads of Christmases together, happy memories, and it's it's lovely. And, yeah. yeah, best outcome we could have expected, really, isn't yeah.
1: it? So how, how has it panned out for you then, Peter? I mean, can you imagine what would you say to that teenager who was getting the crap beaten out of them after school back in Poland?
0: No, don't worry. I suppose go for life. Life is not easy, and uh, and it's gonna be easier for sure. You will met you will meet them as friends in your in your life journey. You may an amazing boyfriend, and you will have. It's amazing life when you, when you move on, finally, and just stop worrying about, about people that, that, that doesn't really care. And, and everything's got to be all right. And that, exactly. that, that's what I would say,
5: my, oh. my younger self.
1: Beautiful. Would you have any messages for your younger self, Dave? Probably
5: just not to worry so much. It was a big... When, when I was coming out, I was... Even though I knew my, my, my mother would be accepting of it, I was still terrified. It's a it's a massive thing. I mean, my mum thought I got a woman pregnant when I turned around. When I tu- when I sat, I said, I've got something to tell you. And she said, like, You've got a woman pregnant, haven't you? And I was like, Oh my god, that's like not what you want to hear when you've when you when you're coming out to your parents. And she, she was a bit worried just a bit worried and concerned to start off with, but then fully ex- fully accept it now so i just wish mm-hmm. i'd done it sooner to be honest it's i mean I, I i know everyone's different in their in their coming out stories and, and their acceptance but it, it does get better yeah. and and if your parents need to take time then take time with them it's it's a it's a big thing for them is it's a big thing for you as well yeah, Absolutely. Um, but uh, eventually they do come round. and as i say we've got a one big happy family now which is yeah. lovely
1: well well you said it take time. I mean for Peter it was um, four or five years really wasn't it? Exactly. He, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Exactly.
1: But, you know, you bided your time and you're now pretty happy, I'd say, aren't you? Yeah,
5: absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Right. Well, tell me when um, I need to save up and buy a hat then, because I feel like it should <laughs> it, it should be it should be happening. If not this summer, then next summer.
5: Well, we've talked, haven't we? We've probably met in a club in the the past, so we probably know each other and had a drunken conversation. So you're practically like family anyway, so we'll invite you along.
1: There you go. (laughs) Thank you very much. That was my backhanded way of trying to get a wedding invite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Virgin
1: Radio Pridecast. Gosh, is it time to leave already? Can't believe another show has bitten the dust. Next week is another must-listen show, of course, and I'll be joined by Matt from the Naz and Matt Foundation with a story that will definitely make you cry, but also give you hope and inspire you too. Whatever you're doing with the rest of your weekend, stay safe, have a good and we'll do it all again next Sunday at seven, shall we?